You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. This is a special kind of emergency episode of Recode Media with Peter Kafka. That is me. And I'm talking to Edmund Lee from the New York Times, where he's a corporate media reporter. And uh, in an older, older times, I used to compete with Ed uh, back when he was at Bloomberg. And in between those two things, Ed was my boss at Recode. Uh, welcome, Ed. It's about time, man. I, I don't well, know it, how long it took for me to get on your damn show after all this time. It took a giant unmerger. Uh, exactly to create a right. giant something else. We are talking, obviously, about AT&T and WarnerMedia and Discovery. Uh, Ed and I have both been working for the last 24 hours on this story. It's happening in real time as we speak. Thanks for making a few minutes to chat about it. Sure. Um, I have so many questions, but here's the big one. What happened? Why did AT&T <laughs> decide five years ago they wanted to spend more than $100 billion, including debt, to buy what was then called Time Warner? And then yesterday, uh, well, today officially announced, no, 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 actually, it turns out this should be merged with some other asset. We're going to get it off its off their books. W what happened within AT&T to prompt this deal? It was a do-over, right? That's what they wanted. Well, look, five You and I both ago. literally wrote the same lead, by the way. We both used do-over <laughs> in the lead. So that's, I know, that's man, how sick That's the problem with these things when the, when the story is so obvious, like we're trying to figure out. Um, well, look, five years ago, you know, the thesis was, look, hey, like, Cell phone service is a commodity, right? Everyone, it, it was saturated, right? Between mm -hmm. Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile, Sprint, they're effectively the same. They're all just competing on price. They were just stealing customers away from each other, right? So they all decided, well, what can we do to make ourselves look different from the other guy, right? Uh, and so they say, hey, this is Randall Stevenson, who was the CEO of AT&T at the time, said he likes this Time Warner asset, right? Which is what it was called before it was renamed Warner Media. And Jeff Bukas at the time was looking for an exit, right? He's like, you know, this is not going to last. Was the former long. CEO of Warner Media, exactly. Did one of the best time sales in, in history. Absolutely, this like he pulled off. He he pulled a rabbit out of a hat in that deal and convinced the guys over in Dallas, the 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 Bell heads at AT and T, um, Randall Stevenson. No, 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 this is going to be a good deal for you, right? Um, and I remember distinctly when the press release went out, they basically AT and T basically cited two reasons for the deal, which was targeted advertising and online video <laughs> like mm -hmm. 85 billion well 100 billion with that for for video and ads all right i i don't quite get it um but they thought the thesis the strategy was we'll look different from the other guys and you know even what five years later what are they getting they're you know the idea now is well if you're a if you're a unlimited at&t data subscriber you get free HBO Max. Right. So right. It, it, that it, was the upsell. It didn't like every one of us said, I don't really understand how this is going to work. I asked Randall Stevenson on stage. I don't understand the rationale for this. I asked John Stanky on stage, who who was at his time his deputy and then eventually the CEO of AT&T. I asked everyone involved in the deal how why this would work, why this would be different than the Time Warner AOL uh, merger, which is a disaster from, from the 2000 era. 
no one ever had really a good answer. So it turns out they never found a real answer. So when when do you think John Stanky, who now runs AT&T, said, oh, this isn't a good idea. I should try to unwind it. What do you think provoked that specifically? Well, I, I mean, look, AT&T is what they call a balance sheet company, right? It just it brings in so much cash. It generates so much cash. Um, and their biggest thing is what do they do with that sort of cash that flows in? Uh, so dividends are a big part of how they manage your business. It cre- keeps the stock up. But here's the thing to know about John Sankey is that before he was CEO, before he became CEO of AT&T, which is like a year or two ago, he was AT&T's chief merger strategist. You know, he actually architected this Time Warner deal, didn't necessarily initiate it, but, you know, Randall told him, let's make this work. So he figured out a way to make it work. He also did the direct TV deal a few years before that. We're going to get to that one, too. Yeah, they're, they're, look, they're both disasters, right? So. I think, look, I'll give John Stanky credit for this much, right? I think when he took over, it became clear, even after all the cost cutting he did at at Warner Media, they laid off like 2,000 people and consolidated all the different divisions. He realized, you know what? We don't have enough money to keep this thing going. And part of the reason is because ATD already has so much debt and they've now got to fuel this 5G technology, right? They just agreed to spend $23 billion on more airwaves right. in the so recent a- Spectrum auction, right? AT&T so. has a lot of debt. They have to pay their shareholders a dividend. They also have to continue running their business, which they have to throw money into to keep it running. But none of those things are surprises. Those are all things they knew going in. Um, and again, it wasn't like once John Stanky became CEO, there was a secret door he looked into and had all the, the, the skeletons in there. It was an open secret that this was going to be an issue for them from the time they bought, um, Warner media, which was the whole premise was for them to go up against Netflix, right? Right. right. Spending $17 billion a year on content. One of the questions was, even though you're now owned by this giant phone company, will you have enough money to actually compete? Um, and there's a great Joe Flint profile of Jason Kyler, who is currently, well, I don't know what his title is now, but he's in theory, the, the CEO of Warner media, the, where, the lame duck CEO of Warner media is probably yes, the way of putting it where somewhere in the end, uh, Joe Flint pro- says, Hey, Jason Kyler, I hear that all your guys are worried that Warner media isn't going to get enough cash from AT&T to run your business. What do you think about that? And Jason Kyler, who knows how to speak to the press and not speak to the press, goes, hmm, spicy, right? So <laughs> it is an open secret that AT&T is not going to be able or not willing to fund this project in the way that its competitors are. It's not putting the resources in that Disney right. is. I, I guess we don't know is the real answer. We just don't know what prompted John Stanky to unwind this deal, this enormous deal, and to also unwind this direct TV deal that's the satellite TV company that he bought for $67 billion, including debt, and now is worth something less than $16 billion. We just don't know sort of if he got a tap in the middle of the night and said, change yeah. or else. Or he had some revelation. I Look, I, I think that's fair. I also think it's worth noting that, you know, within, you know, not long after they bought uh, Time Warner, uh, an activist investor came on the scene, Elliott Management. They mm-hmm. they basically said, hey, we don't understand your media strategy either. <laughs> we want also this direct TV thing makes no sense for you to continue to hold on to. And they made all these recommendations and they're kind of following through on them. One of the recommendations was fire John Stanky, which <laughs> didn't happen. Didn't happen. But the, the I think they questioned if he was the best leader for Warner Media. 
they got Jason Kyler to do that, right? Um, but here's the thing. Now it's even better for AT&T shareholders because, you know what? I'm going to take off some of that debt, put it into this new company we're spinning off. So if you're Elliot, you're like, hey, that's not a bad Maybe not a bad play. Looks like our the, the, our pressure tactics worked. There's also something more sort of existential here, right? Which is there's been this long history of like corporate outsiders thinking they're smarter than Hollywood, right? That they can come in mm-hmm. and like, you know what? <sighs> Bloated business. You guys don't know how to run things. You know, there's a much more efficient, cheaper way to do what you're doing. And they get in there, they open it up and they're like, oh no, the talent likes to get paid a lot of money and content is expensive no matter how you try to do and it. And they leave town and it's embarrassment yes. and, and the Japanese exactly. have done this, big yep. conglomerates used to do it. There's one very potent counterexample where this has worked, which is Netflix, yes. which used to be a DVD by mail company up in Silicon Valley, showed up in Hollywood, threw a ton of money around and have succeeded so wildly that everyone is now trying to copy them. And that is really what's going on. Everyone wants to create their own Netflix, whether they actually are capable of doing it or not, they're they're trying to say they're doing it. Right. Uh, and by the way, that's that's what this new, we haven't even talked about Discovery, but this new company, which is Discovery and Warner Media, is supposed to be sort of a pure play video company that is now supposed to take on Netflix. What right. do we think of that combined company? It's it's HBO, it's Warner Media, it's a bunch of reality TV shows from Discovery. And it's a lot of sports, right? Mm -hmm. Like uh, Discovery owns a lot of sports overseas, Eurosport and and Warner Media's got, you know, a lot of NBA and MLB stuff on their TNT, TBS cable network. So there's something there maybe. Look, I I think it's a nice combination in that there's no there's little overlap, right? That that's a smart play in that way. The both David Zaslav and John Stanky in the presser this morning sort of made a whole big deal about, oh, we're going to have, you know, we spend $20 billion a year on content, right? It's it's a nice round mm-hmm. number, which is bigger than Netflix's $16 billion that they spent on content. Here's the thing, though. Most of that $20 billion is spent on linear channels, which is this, the old the old school the, media. The business stuff, that's right? dying. The business that's dying. It's, that it's a big, fewer, profitable fewer. business, throws off a lot of money, but it's exactly. shrinking. And, you know, I... I did. I was able to get Zazov on the phone for just a really brief bit uh, this morning, and I kind of pressed him on that. So, what? How are you allocating that money exactly, right? And he didn't really give a straight answer, except to say that you know what, these traditional businesses are very compelling because they have huge cash flow, right? So, that you know who told of- me that? You know who told me that a couple months ago? Well, Jason Kyler. Uh- <laughs> exactly. So. What are we talking about here? It's like we're talking about this like sort of weird pivot that all these guys are trying to make. It's like there's so much profit here that's dying, but that the business is dying. And there's so much upside in consumers here, but it still loses tons of money, right? So how do I make this switch without losing my shirt, right? And I think that's, you know, I haven't seen any one of these guys, maybe Disney, arguably, but none of these guys have really sort of taken that huge leap. Kyler, I think, has been had been trying to, especially with doing day and date release mm-hmm. of the big blockbuster films on HBO Max, right? So but even then, of, he, even then, he had, was working with parameters. I mean, right. when, when I talked to him, he said, this day and date thing we did where you're going to stream all the movies at home or see them in the theater, that was right. a pandemic-only thing. We're going back to a more traditional model, sort of, back next to windowing, year. Right. He also said, money, we're, right. we're not giving up on traditional TV. We're, we're not stripping that. We're gonna, that thing will continue to throw off money. We're not right. abandoning it yet. Everyone wants it both ways. Yes, yes. Um, this is a little petty because I'm recording this in sweatpants and I'm sitting on the floor of my bedroom next to dirty laundry. But the presser they did have this morning did not, we've seen a lot of these things, did not look like a well-oiled 
thing that people supposedly, uh, I think you guys reported this, uh, Zaslav and, and Stanky have been planning this for months and months and months. Um, it looked like something they'd slapped together briefly. Zaslav was reading off some, some paper. There was no teleprompter. Um, did, did this thing come together pretty quickly or do you think this really was in the works for months and months? So no, it was pretty quickly by quickly. I'm, I'm saying like three months, like February is when they started really talking. Um, apparently Zaslav had it in his head that he was going to go talk to John Stanky at the, um, Pebble beach pro-am, which AT&T sponsors right back in February, this middle of February, you know, pandemic, they're both at home. So instead David just sends an email to John Stacky and says, hey, are you around? I've got an idea. It's literally what he sent him an email. And, you know, they kept the, the, the circle really, really tight, right? Um, and in AT&T, John Stanky, they, you know, he, he's been burned before by the media and the press, um, including by, you know, yours truly. So when I say burned, I mean exposed, I guess you want to say. Um, yes, Ed, so Ed, he, Ed, he Ed, 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 I'm going to give you credit. Ed, Ed, <laughs> Ed unearthed a, uh, uh, an all-hands or semi-all-hands uh, meeting slash interview between Stanky and Richard Plepler. This was in the early days of the uh, AT&T takeover it, yeah. that, that augured a, a discomfort between the two sides. Well, I just, I mean, it was a video that I actually got, and uh-huh. I was watching this, and my jaw was on the floor just seeing just the Ed, you described you faces. described it as an audio recording and then you changed no, your I said, described it as a recording i didn't no, say you, audio you, you, yeah. you tweeted about the video and then you deleted it because you didn't want to burn your sources <laughs> i saw what you did you saw what i did all right so you um, mentioned there was a there was a tight circle jason kyler was not informed about not this informed until recently until like my colleague um brooks barnes reported this just now i mean not until and we have other sources saying it as well like late last week is when he was yeah. alerted so um they kept the circle tight and, um, you know, they, they, you know, not until leaked on Sunday. So the fact that they had this release already for Monday morning early told us that, you know, they were always planning on announcing it this Monday today. And so, um, you know, credit to them for keeping a lid on it. The Bloomberg news, you know, they, they got the, they got the deal. Um, so people know about Jason Kyler. He's been a public figure. If you're into media, you've been following him. Again, he's been on my podcast. They're again, profile him. David Zaslav is someone, if you are in a certain media world, you know about, he throws a big party in the Hamptons. Yes. Um, he likes to be out and about with a certain kind of media mogul crowd and, and some of us reporters. But I think for most people, they this will be the first they've seen of him. Tell us about David Zaslav, who he is, how he got to this position. So he's he's the last of the old guard of the media world. You know, we're, we know we talk about guys like John Malone and Rupert Murdoch and, and, and others. And, you know, Zaslav is sort of that generation right after. Right. But he sort of tries to emulate that that style. And, you know, I've, I've known him for years. You have as well, I know. And he's great at he's a great salesman. He can like, you know, rattle off ratings on a specific show on a specific night right off the top of his head. It's amazing, like how he's got all these facts and figures in his head, but he's also great at sort of selling you on what's great about it. You know, so he is sort of the perfect media guy for this. And, you know, he likes to hobnob. He's he's that 
he's the guy at Sun Valley who's willing to talk to reporters. Sun Valley is that annual. Yeah, no, he loves retreat, reporters. Right? What what is he good at besides talking to us? Right. So Jeff Bucus was a financial engineer. Right. He 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 assembled and then disassembled. Time Warner created this thing. It could get bought. Rupert Murdoch is a programmer. You know, he's really good at at selling a certain kind of media product. He's very hands on. Um, David Zaslav runs a bunch of networks that are known for reality programming. Does he have a knack for that? Does he have a knack for what is he good at? So he's not a programmer in the in the vein of like a Les Moonves. He's not a numbers guy in the vein of like a Jeff Bukes. He's a salesman. That's his thing. He he spent like 20 years at NBC in ad sales, right? He was the guy who like convinced all the big marketers, here's why you need to give me more money, right? So that's his that's his forte. And, you know, just even talking to him for two minutes, it's like, like, what do you trying to sell me on something? Like, it's a lot, of, a lot of hyperbole, a lot, a lot of exclamation of hyperbole. points. He's got, yeah. And so, I mean, it works for him, right? And he's, he's amiable. He's a very likable guy. He comes across as a little intense, but, you know, you like him. You know, just, he, he doesn't feel like sort of this weird What do you make of him in this job where he is running this thing that that in theory is very valuable, that in theory is maybe not competitive with Netflix and Disney, but it may be right below that tier, is certainly a real entity complex. There's a linear business. There's a streaming business. It's video subscriptions. Um, is he the right guy to run that company? Is he the guy you'd pick to run that company? I'd say he's the right. He's certainly more right than AT&T. That's for sure. Um, in the universe of media executives out there, I think he's he's up there. He's in the top three or four, certainly. Um, and, you know, I think his aggressiveness is good, is the thing that allows him to win. He's always willing to try something different. And that's the other thing. He's agnostic. As sentimental as he is about the media business, he ultimately approaches it with a pretty sort of distanced eye, right? And, you know, Murdoch is actually very similar to that as well. As sentimental as he is about newspapers and he's willing to lose money on some of them, he he also knows how to sort of distance himself and just make the business business call. And I think Zaslav is a lot like that. So in that way, I think there's potential for real success. Um, but again, it still comes down to like how much of a gamble is he willing to make on streaming? If he's going to allocate more dollars towards streaming, even if it means losses, uh, the way that Netflix had been burning cash for like years and years and years, um, which was a real gamble, much more of a gamble than people realize when they were doing that. Um, you know, that's that's what remains to be seen. That's the part. I don't know how, you know, it, it might still be theater for him, right? He's going to take up an office on the Warner Brothers lot. He's going to talk to the talent. He going to talk to producers. He's going to really steep himself even more in the Hollywood world. And I think that's what drives a lot of his ambition, frankly. Right. So it's yeah, always a, thing. always a warning sign when people tell you that they want to spend time in Hollywood. Um, yeah. but you never know. So let's, let's talk about sort of what that company becomes, what its chances are, you know, the pre beyond the, beyond the, we're going to add HBO and somehow sell more cell phones, uh, cell phone service, uh, plan that AT&T had. The, the other part of their plan was, and they were very vocal about this and everyone rolled their eyes. They said, HBO is a great product, but it's limited. It only has reached 40 million people. It's not going to get much bigger. We need a lot more. This is actually what John Stanky was telling Richard Plepler right. in the story you wrote about. Um, that made a lot of people upset because a lot of people love HBO. They love the former CEO, Richard Plepler. It seems actually like a pretty reasonable thing to say is we need to compete. We have to get bigger. By the way, we're not strip mining HBO. We're just going to sell more stuff on top of that. That's what HBO Max is called. Hard to explain that, um, but that's what it is. Now it's HBO Max plus a bunch of other stuff from Discovery. Um, 
it kind of looks like, you know, a good half of what the cable uh, grid used to look like, right? right? HBO and a bunch of other channels. They're kind of reassembling a, a bundle. Um, does that look like a competitive product? I mean, when I flip through HBO Max, it looks it looks actually like the cable grid, right? Like they've got different brands within the service, right? There's a TCM brand. There's, you know, old time movies. There's HBO itself. Um, look, I think right now, it's a really cheap cable bundle, if you think of it that way, even if you throw in Discovery and maybe add a few bucks or something around it. Which is also what Netflix is, right? Also and what it's Netflix kind of what is. Disney was working up to. Exactly. So, look, I, I'm i not that smart, right? I don't really know what the prospects are for what we're seeing from HBO Max and Discovery+. Plus. John Stanky was right. Like, it needs more content, period, right? That's what Netflix figured out not that long ago. So... You know, it's it's a race for adding more content, and in the race for adding more content, it's a race for 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 talent, right? That's that's what's limited, and that's what Netflix realized only too recently, right? Which is why they created this, you know, great new headquarters uh, uh, in Hollywood, and Ted Sarandos has been been glad handling all the the talent because that's where the limited pool is, right? That's you know, you can throw all the technology you want at it, but. You know, the talent is still a limited thing. It's not YouTube. It's not like they're just finding people off the street to create stuff. Someone has to make the show. Someone exactly. has to act in the show. There's a limited number of people who can do that well enough to get you to pay attention and or pay money. Exactly. And so I think that's where, that's where you know, Zaslav might have an edge on that, right? If he's better at courting Hollywood, if he's better at getting Oprah to do other things, you know, if he's better at getting the cutting the next big sort of overall deal, right, for HBO plus Discovery, whatever that might be, you know, yeah, that it might might work out well for them. Um, when I write a Vox.com story, I try to tell a Vox.com reader as a consumer why they should care about that. Here we're doing it and we're doing this the inverse, right? We did all the techie nerdy stuff at the beginning. Right. Let's say I'm a big HBO fan. Let's say I'm a fan of HBO Max. Let's say I'm a fan of... Uh, HGTV, or I really like 90 Day Fiance so much, Fiance, 90 Day Fiance so much that I bought Discovery Plus. What does this mean to me, the person who likes watching television and pays for some of it? So I think if you're, you know, a regular person out there in the world, you know, there's a chance that who knows, maybe you're you're going to get, you know, a slightly better rate on a bundle, right? On a streaming bundle, right? Because I think we've all been inundated with so many new streamers. I think people are paying as much as they were paying cable, right? If, they, if you got all of them. So that might be a plus. Um, and you're going to hope that, well, you know what, it, maybe there's just more money being devoted towards these types of shows that I like. So we'll, will we get more of them? At the same time, it just still means competition, right? There's there's $20 billion that they're looking to spend. Where are they going to spend it on? And every year that might go up slightly, but they might take money away from 90 Day Fiance or Property Brothers and put it a little bit more in you know, Warner Brothers films for that matter, right? Who knows? And so, you know, that that might mean something for your favorite show in the next few years. All this assumes that the deal actually goes through. Um, right. It's not even supposed to close for another year, which is right. great for Disney and Netflix. Everyone's competing against them because <laughs> right. there's a lot of turmoil. Um, and also they need to get regulators to sign off on this. Uh, AT, AT&T had to fight Donald Trump's Department of Justice for two years right. in court to get this deal done. Everyone involved in it and said, oh, no, there's not political animus. It sure seemed like there was political <laughs> animus. Right. Um, but we now have a different political climate um, where there is at least, you know, people are saying they're they're worried about companies getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, 
I realize this is not your forte, but what's your sense of sort of how you think regulators will look at this deal and will this kick off more consolidation? So uh, regulators, from what I understand, I mean, they've been really focused under the Biden administration, really focused on tech companies, right? That seems to be um, a big target for them. And you know, they're looking at tech companies as both platforms and sellers on those platforms, and they might sort of rethink. These are the do. companies we need to rein in. Exactly right. The truth of it is, is that, you know, the media companies, depending upon how the Biden administration wants to define marketplaces, they're relatively small compared to tech, right? So even this Discovery Warner Media tie-up will create probably the second biggest media company after Disney, at least in terms of sales, it's still small. So if you want to define the market, depending upon how they want to define the market, you know, there's a good chance this goes through, right? Um, and they will certainly say... By the way, we need to do this because we're competing against Apple, exactly, Amazon, right. Netflix, TikTok. Right. You're you're afraid of how big Facebook's getting. Let us do this so we could you know compete against them because that's where the competition is now, right? So, you know, if you want to really narrowly define what the media marketplace is, yeah, maybe that deal doesn't go through. But I think if they're smart about it, which from what I've seen, the regulators that they they brought into to the Justice Department seem to be more savvy they're going to define the market more widely, right? That it's not just TV eyeballs, but eyeballs are eyeballs, right? So whether they're on Facebook and TikTok or Discovery Plus and Netflix, they're all competing for time. And that's something that Reed Hastings has been saying on call on his earnings calls every quarter. So, you know, I think it through that lens, it should go through. Should we think about the fact that there's a bunch of companies, mostly traditional media companies and also Netflix, and then to smaller degrees, Amazon and Apple, who are paying for content, spending a lot of money on actors and showrunners and producers right. and gaffers and all, all of that. And that's one kind of media business. And then there's another kind of media business where we're making all the content for Facebook and Instagram and TikTok. Um, should it matter to a regulator or anybody else whether the stuff that we're watching is made by someone for free or nearly free or whether it's a super expensive Lord of the Rings or Game of Thrones product? Oh, that's a great question. I just said product. Uh, I meant show. Yeah, no. And I haven't actually even thought of it that way. Um, right, because TikTok is not going to compete with Discovery Plus for, for, that, for the for property brothers, right. but the eyeballs, they, right, you can only watch one thing at a time, maybe two if, you, if you're a certain kind of person. Right, like if you're like my 16-year-old who's mm -hmm. on her phone and watching TV at the same time. I don't know how she does, you know. Um, Good job, Ed. <laughs> um. No, that's a great question. I would actually, I would venture to say that they should. I mean, what I mean by that is- They should all be considered the same thing? Or they they should all should be considered the same thing. Here, yeah. Here's why. It's like, look, as great as TikTok is, as great as YouTube like is at sort of allowing the handful of people to become millionaires on, on the service, you know, that otherwise wouldn't happen. It's funny. Like, I, I think people still want to be on TV, right? Like Charlie D'Amelio, who was the TikTok star, like she, she I think she cut a deal not too long ago to, to have a TV show. So- it's people still want to be on TV. I, I think they still want the money. They're going to still do YouTube videos and TikTok videos and make money and be creators and influencers and generate tons of dollars that way. But if there's a chance to be on TV, they're going to take it, you know, and I think that's, you know, they're still playing in each other's pool. And I think that's what Discovery does. Actually, they, they look on, they look at YouTube to find the next sort of reality star. So They've, they're already sort of kind of trying to mine that market in a lot of ways. And, you know, it, it's one thing still. The last 
time that Warner Media traded hands and went to AT&T, it was around the same time as NBC Comcast buying Sky yeah. and Disney buying Fox. We had a wave of consolidation. Then everything stopped. Yeah. Do we expect more of these? We're waiting for Viacom. We're waiting for any of these other smaller companies to get snapped up. Is that going to happen now? Or have they been not snapped up for a reason and they're not going to get snapped up just because of this deal? I think I think it's going to happen now. Or I mean, in the next say eighteen months, that's my guess, right? I think, like like we were saying earlier, if you if you're defining the marketplace as really media and tech, which I think it should be, Viacom CBS is tiny. It's minuscule. It's nowhere near big enough, and they know that, right? Um, and you saw, you know, they're they're not big enough to make it in streaming with the way that I see the numbers. So they need to tie up with someone. NBC Universal, despite having this great sort of Comcast backing, right? And you know, Comcast has a has a great business in their broadband, right? They have great broadband businesses, it's, and they're they're doing pretty well, especially during pandemic. But NBC Universal arguably is not big enough on its own, right? Peacock, you know, as a streaming service, is still feels not quite there yet, right? So there, it's really there needs to be a tie up, more of a tie up among these media guys to create a bigger streaming. Anyway, so that I think that's going to happen soon. You know, a really good way to visualize all this <laughs> is a chart that I get a credit for with Ronnie Mola, but really you and Ronnie built it and it, uh, years ago. It was ago. a team you can effort. It. It was you a can team see effort. it on Rico.net. Yeah. It remains one of our most popular offerings. Ronnie, as we speak, is is recalibrating it every time a deal goes through. She has to redo it. So you can see it there. And when you do see it, and you go, that's a great chart. You can thank Ed Lee from the New York Times. Ed, it was great to it. see you. I miss you. Yep. Um, I miss you I look too, forward man. to seeing really. you in real life. Okay. We got to do this in real life now that I'm fully vaxxed. I'm assuming you are. Yeah, you're fully vaxxed. I have all the vaccines. You got all the vaccines. I put them so, all in. Let's do that. We need media reporter drinks ASAP. So, I think, all right, yeah. dude. If you're listening to this and you're a media reporter, come to Ed's house. We're going to have drinks. <laughs> See you, Ed. Take care. See ya.